Thanks for joining us here on Service to School Stories. Your hosts for this season are Alec Emmert, Service to School CEO and Navy veteran. And Sydney Mathis, Chief Program Officer and former College Admissions Officer. This season will cover topics as it relates to higher education, military service transition, and career opportunities and outcomes for veterans. Join us as we share student stories, inside tips from the admissions office, and conversations with employers actively hiring student veterans. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Service to School Stories podcast. Today, we are joined by Tyrone Hewitt. Tyrone served for 20 plus years in the U.S. Navy, and now in his current position, he assists transitioning service members, veterans, and military spouses with career planning, job searching, resume writing, interviewing, identifying skill bridge opportunities, and understanding veteran benefits, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. But I follow Tyrone on LinkedIn, and if you aren't, you absolutely should be following him because he shares a wealth of information, resources, tips, and just generally great information for anyone making the transition out of the military. Um, But today, like I said, we're going to be focusing in on education and how that might fit in some of your transitions. So Tyrone, Thank you so much today. I'm really excited for the conversation. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce yourself to our listeners. Awesome. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me. Um, Like you said, so I spent a little over 20 years in the Navy. And during that time in the Navy, one of the things I enjoyed the most was helping people navigate their education benefits. I know early 2004, maybe late 2003, I had a guy who spoke to me about using my education benefits. And once I started using my tuition assistance, I was hooked, right? So since then, even, you know, even afterwards, even after retiring, I was always encouraging people to utilize tuition assistance, CLEP, Dante's, um, Montgomery GI Bill, Post 9-11. And when I retired, I found out that I can have a job that does something very similar with helping service members, veterans kind of navigate that whole thing. So. I've been doing that for just over five years, um, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Yeah, well, I just seeing the people who interact with you on LinkedIn, you are helping so many people in your role, and that's got to be incredibly rewarding. But I love that you mentioned tuition assistance, because that's mm-hmm. one of the first questions we ask applicants when they sign up with us is, are you using tuition assistance if you're still on active duty? And so many, you know, if they aren't, you know, we're asking, okay, well, why not? Have you thought yeah. about it? That's just one of the best ways to maximize your GI Bill. Um, so really excited that you, you touched on that point. Yeah, it always shocked me that people, you know, and every branch has some different rules when a person or service person can or cannot use it. But when it's available, I'm like, man, people in the civilian world would would die for an opportunity like this. Absolutely. I heard that. Um, So we're going to chat through, like I mentioned, education benefits today. Um, One of the things that you mentioned was the most underutilized resource that you've seen uh, recently is the Managing Your Education course. Can you share with us a little bit about what that course entails and why people should take advantage of it? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a course called Managing Your Education or My Education. Um, It's been implemented in different, different ways. Um, one of the biggest ways was back in October 2019, they added it to what they call the transition track or a tap track. So most people are familiar with the transition assistance program. There are several days that are required um, that most people are required to participate in um, core classes, VA, Department of Labor. Um, the manager education track is a course that's also part of that tr- um, transition process. It can either be 
optional or maybe mandated, right? Depending on what tier group you're in, that's a, there's a lot of conversations with that. Um, but what I tell everybody, wh whether or not you are required to take it or it's optional, if you are planning on using your education benefits, it is a two-day class that's taught live. You can also take it virtually. Um, that's going to teach you everything that I think you need to know or understand about going to college, right? So going to college, picking a school, picking your fill of study isn't always easy, mm -mm. right? But this course um, talks about stuff about learning the basics of education, um, choosing your fill of study, the, the organization or institution you want to um, participate in, gaining admission. It's not just, hey, here's my application. There may be some tests. There may be, um, I know some programs, depending on what you're going into, you may need a, a resume, right? So they talk about gaining admission. And I would say one of the more important things, probably the most important thing for everybody else or everybody is the funding your education portion. Which yep. funding options are you going to use? Are you still using TA? Are you using FAFSA? Are you using post on 11? Are you using the old Montgomery? Are you using a combination of maybe post on 11 and FAFSA? Um, and if there's also a portion in there that talks about the assessment, but this course allows you to um, hear about all those portions and all those areas of, of being what I would call an ed, uh, a higher education student, whether or not it's full-time, part-time. Um, and what's really important about this class, and I think for everybody is, you want to maximize the program. You know, I think yep. in too many cases, and maybe for yourself, and I get it, people change schools and people change programs. I totally understand that. But you only have so much utilization. You only have 36 months. So you don't want to spend 30 months of it and then realize, oh, I'm down the wrong track. You're starting somewhere else and now you need another 30 months. So I think this class itself will help you really understand what process you need to go through, what step and what direction you need to go into to best utilize this track, right? So what a lot of people don't understand is not only can the transitioning service member participate in this class, there are some cases where a veteran, definitely online virtual, which is there's an online virtual self-paced, but spouses and children dependents who are also utilizing post on 11 or GI Bill can also take this class. Um, I can definitely mm -hmm. share the PDF. There's a hundred plus page PDF. People can read through it, but I would always encourage people to, to take the class. I know in our area, schools that are approved through the GI Bill through Weems, they actually participate in our class. There's about an hour long Q&A with admission reps and directors where prospective students can ask questions. You know, how early out should I enroll in the class? When do you need my certificate of, certificate of eligibility? I'm a, you know, an adult learner. I'm a career switcher. Do I need to take any kind of entrance exams or is that waived? All these questions that people either realize they have or quite honestly, they don't realize they have until somebody else yep. is asking it. And those admission reps, even, and I think even if a person weren't going to a particular school, they would be able to highlight those reps, can highlight, um, you know, or answer a lot of the concerns that people have. That way you're not navigating this process blindly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you mentioned, you know, like setting that timeline up, I talk to applicants regularly and they're like, okay, well, I want to go on a medical school. And I'm like, well, let's talk about how long it's going to take to get your bachelor's degree and then how long medical school takes and then a residency. Like, 
you're setting yourself up for years of schooling. Um, and then they're like, okay, well, how much of my GI Bill is going to cover it? And it's like, well, let's talk about, you know, what classes you can take per semester. Um, so having that course up front to get an understanding of kind of what that is going to look like, what that educational journey is going to look like is, is incredibly important when you're thinking through, okay, is the, is school my, my truly my next step after I get out? Um, so want to segue from that a little bit. Um, you talked briefly about the different, um, ways that they can fund education, right? Um, so you did a post on LinkedIn, three-part post about the GI Bill. That means there's a lot of ways to fund an education or ways to utilize and maximize the GI Bill. And that's honestly one of our most well-attended webinars whenever we host it. That's one of our highest attended, how to maximize your GI Bill. Um, so I know we have a lot of questions about that, but let's start at the basics. So how does a service member know how much of the GI Bill they're eligible for? Okay, yeah, you know, that's a actually really good question because um, depending on the length of service, maybe the type of um, transit or type of separation that they had, typically you get 36 months. Um, but not everybody does get 36 months. I may have a person who separated um, early for certain circumstances and it's not medical. It, it, matter of fact, I just spoke to somebody last week. They did... Um, based on reserve time, they're actually, they're, they get 36 months, but they're only getting 60% of the 36 months. Or you may get somebody who does, you know, if you go to the VA's website, it kind of tells you, hey, this is how many days. And they actually broke it down to days lately. Hey, if you did, I don't know, 250 days, you get 60% of that time. But the, the true way to really figure that out is when you apply for your benefits online, they're going to provide the service person or the veteran with their certificate of eligibility. And it's going to tell them, this is how we've identified you being authorized 36 months, hundred percent of it, or, or 20 months. And that is probably, um, I, I will probably repeatedly say that's the most important thing, but that is probably the most important thing because at that point you have to figure out how am I going to fund this? How much time do I have? Like you said, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll say, Hey, I want to go to medical medical school and or law school. And I'm like, how much college do you already have completed? And yep. you know, do you know how much more you're gonna have to complete and how are you gonna fund that, right? Um, you know, so that certificate of eligibility, you know, you could probably call the VA, you, you could call the VA. The difference between being a veteran and being an active duty service member, I think I don't think in very many cases the VA is gonna give you an answer over the phone because they're actually waiting for that discharge because it's gonna tell your true status. Mm -hmm. If you're a veteran and you call them, they usually ask, um, first, last name, last four branches of service. I think they do a pretty good job of saying, hey, we have you in here um, and we've identified 36 months of, of eligible usage. There, There is, for some people, the opportunity to actually have 48 months of usage. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. It is very hard to figure figure that out. There are very few people. There are some court cases and some other things that kind of took place um, that determines whether or not um, the person's eligible for an old program, a new program. And I think I could be wrong, but last I read, and I'll give you an example, and I don't see this too often. Sometimes you have people who have two, two um, they've been in the military twice, right? Yep. They joined the army, did four years, got out, um, didn't like being a civilian, 
they came back in a year later, joined the Navy, did another three years or four years. I think based on those two contracts, I think they actually may be eligible for 48 months, not necessarily the entire 72, right? 48. But in instances like that, where things aren't very clear, it's extremely important for the veteran to um, look at the COE and or call the VA. Got it. And Tyra, something that's a little bit I guess, tangential here too. So I was talking with a service member uh, last week, talking through his financial aid package. And he said he was previously looking at enrolling out of school. The school lost their eligibility to provide GI Bill funding. Um, And in that situation where say a service person has already enrolled in that school, they've done maybe like two or three semesters and used some of that GI Bill funding and the school closes or, you know, they lose their eligibility, they don't get that funding back. Is that correct? So there are some cases where they did get the funding back, but I think those are some of the big cases. I'd have to look. The website says that I want to say ITT was one of them. Um, I think these are cases where there are an astronomical amount of students and then there were yep. cases involved. I can definitely do the research, but it'll tell you on the website, hey, these are the schools and this is how much you can get back. Um I'm not going to say it's rare, but it's it's nothing's ever automatic. You know, sure, they'd have sure. to, um, you know, go through that process. I do know the VA tries to they try to do a due diligence where they say, hey, you know what, the school may have lost some accreditation, and I think in these cases they were completely like they were shut down. It wasn't right. hey, you're suspended for six months, redo your curriculum, redo your process. We're going to do the 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 verification or certification again and give you your stuff back. It's like the building has a four lease sign in front of it type of situation. <laughs> yes. No longer operating. Um, no. And I think that too, it just goes back to the importance of making sure that you're making informed decisions about where you enroll and the institutions yeah. that you are, you know, deciding to invest and utilize your resources for, um, yeah, think, going back I, to, Oh yeah. Can go I ahead. talk on that real quick? Yeah. So uh-huh. when I talk to service members who are getting out, um, and it's, it's going to be in one of these guys we talk about, but, it is really important for prospective students, um, veterans, service member dependent, to use the um, GI Bill. Do, do, they need to do a couple different things. You can go to the Weems website, and if they're GI Bill approved, they're going to be on there. But also when you go to the comparison tool, when you scroll down, you select the school, you scroll down, it's going to let you know if they've ever received any complaints. Mm. And that is really important. You know, I helped somebody... Um, Late last year, the school, they only had one instance, you know, they they try to tell you how many students went through. They had one instance with funding. And I told the person, you know, they may want to talk to the school and say, hey, can you kind of explain this to me? Sure. Um, You know, because I think the VH tries to do a good job of saying, hey, we vetted these schools. Um, We think you should go or run. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is so important to double check. Um, okay. So going back to how, you know, our listeners would be use, using their GI Bill, um, how does BAH work with the on-campus um, students? Yeah. You know what? That's that's good. I just had a question about that today. So there, there are kind of different categories. If an active duty service member is going to the school and they're using post 911, they won't get BAH because... They are either getting BAH or they live in a barracks. The, the DOD is providing with them housing. If a, if a spouse of an active duty service member 
is using a post 911, they will also not get BAH because they're part of that um, receiving housing. If you are a child of an active duty service member, you will get BAH. You're kind of, you're in a different category. You can actually get it. Um, if you are in a veteran status, you can get BAH. Um, if you're in a veteran status and you transferred the GI Bill, spouse will get it. Because at that point, you're no longer getting housing from DOD. And of course, right. a child can use it. Um, the BAH is going to be dependent on, I guess, several different factors. One, are you um, an in, what we would call a brick and mortar student? You know, mm -hmm. and you don't even have to go brick and mortar that whole time. You may take three online classes and one NC class. The VA will say, okay, we'll grant you 100% housing. If you are strictly an online student, you are going to get what they call the national average. Several years ago, you got 50% of your BAH. Now it's, it's the national average is the same. Somebody in San Francisco is going to get the same amount of money as somebody in Savannah, Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, that kind of goes back to that conversation we had earlier. If you are only getting, let's say, 60% of your GI Bill, um, if I'm not mistaken, you should only get 60% of that housing. Even if you're going to school 100% at a time, you may have to pay the rest of the tuition out of your pocket, but they're going to say you're getting 60% of your housing. Got it. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, and then we partner here at Service to School with institutions that are yellow ribbon institutions. Um, so can you talk to our, our listeners um, about the yellow ribbon program? How does it work and why they might consider yellow ribbon institutions? Yeah, that's good. Yellow Ribbon is a, a, a really good program that provides the opportunity for the institution and the VA to pay any additional funding that the GI Bill doesn't cover. So I think the GI Bill covers annually, I think it's about 27 grand, if I remember correctly. Yep. It's it's up there, right? But sometimes you pick a school and they're like, well, it's going to cost you $45,000 a year. It's not unreasonable yep. when you look at some of these Ivy League schools. Right. So mm -hmm. also I talked about the um, GI Bill comparison tool. When you go to the GI Bill um, comparison tool online, it's going to tell you whether or not you can do a couple of things. It's going to tell you whether or not your yellow ribbon or you can just search on the VA's website. There's a tab that says search yellow ribbon schools. Right. So one, um, there's a couple of things that have to fall into fall into place. One, the school has to be authorized or approved to be part of yellow ribbon Two. Some have unlimited funding or mm -hmm. unlimited, um, I guess, seats. Yep. Some have limited seats, right? So when a person's enrolling and they realize that the GI Bill is not going to cover that tuition, they need to have that conversation to determine, one, if they can utilize it and what the process may be. There may be an application process. Um, but, you know, I'll give an example. Let's say I, I was going to go to a local school here. And GI Bill is going to cover twenty-seven grand, but they needed fifty-four thousand. Um, if I'm approved to utilize it, the school's approved to utilize it. I get selected. The VA will pay half of that twenty-seven thousand dollars, and the school will pay the other half. That way, I'm not coming out of the pocket any any money. I have heard some schools say, uh, or some cases where they usually go for um, the people who were more senior in that program or yep. senior in a school. Uh, it may be first come, first serve. Um, if I were a student and I were looking at schools, I would have the conversation. I would not think automatically because they have it, I'm going to get it. 
um, recently, I think last fall, uh, Yellow Ribbon was only authorized, if I remember correctly, for like veterans. They actually pushed it out. Now sp spouses can use it. Um, and I think children. It, it went more towards active duty. Sure. But it's, it's, it's an unbelievable program. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The same student I was talking to last week, I said, hey, make sure the institution has an uncapped yellow ribbon program. Yeah. If it is capped, figure out the numbers. Do they have a wait list? What's the process like? Okay. Um, because I, that was even something I've learned, you know, from my work here at Services School is that institutions can cap the number of yellow ribbon students they have on campus. Um, so that is definitely a, a great question that students should be asking. All right, so another question we get regularly here at Service to School is from student veterans that are going back and going to utilize VRNE, so Veteran Readiness and Employment. So can you talk with our listeners a little bit about what that program is and how it works with going back to school? Yeah, absolutely. So the program, um, which is also distributed or, I guess, managed by the VA, it's a program that... Um, has been implemented to help what I would say help veterans become either employable or I don't even know if re-employable is a word, <laughs> right? So, right. So, you know, I'll give you an example. So some people, um, when they're active duty, they get medically separated. Um, and in theory, if you're being medically separated at that point, the DON or whatever branch you're in DOD, they're saying we can no longer use your services. So in theory, you can't even do that job anymore um, in theory. So the program, when you're active duty, and I like what the VA did recently, and I'm going to read it out loud. And I usually read it out loud to a lot of the individuals I help who are actually in the process. So if they are active duty and going through what they call the MEB or IDS process, um, service members participating in IDS are presumed entitled Right. So the idea is they're going through this process where the DOD and VA is trying to determine whether or not they're going to be medically fit to stay in. W once you go through that, you know, you can apply for the program and basically retrain yourself um, or use the there's and there's five different pathways. One of the pathways is the education, and it's probably by far the most popular one. That's mm -hmm. the one most people only know about, really. Mm -hmm. um, and in theory, and I'll give you my example. So I worked on aircraft when I was in the Navy, and I was an aircraft manager. But let's say because of some of my physical disabilities, I can no longer crawl on, air, crawl on aircraft, crawl under aircraft. I need a desk that's less physically demanding. I could apply for the program while active duty or even a veteran and say, hey, you know what, due to my, due to, due to my limitations, I need a desk that's going to be less physically demanding. I'm really interested in becoming maybe a social worker or behind a desk working as an IT specialist. The counselor, once I engage with the counselor, you know, I'll fill out some paperwork. They'll determine whether or not I'm eligible for the program and say, yep, yep, you know what, you're, you're eligible for the program. You know, have you decided what school you're gonna go to, what program? And the VA will fund that. Um, and not only will they fund that, they will either fund, and this is where it gets very interesting, there's a stipend attached to that also. They'll either apply a stipend that can go towards like books and housing. Or when you go through the website, you can actually, if you have any post on 11 left, utilize, you can actually get the BAH for that. Um, so if I had BAH, I'd go to get the 1800 bucks in this area. If not, then I would get, I think the stipend's about 1300 bucks, I think. I try not to remember numbers because stuff changes <laughs> all the time. 
Yeah. But it's for um, either active duty service members being medically separated or veterans who are getting out, um, or I'm sorry, veterans who are already out um, and they have a disability um, a disability rating of either 10% with a serious employment handicap or a 20% rating with one or more handicaps. And that's why I kind of emphasized on, you know, me maybe not being able to do my job any longer. Um, one of the things I, I find very common is people, people do believe that because I have this rating, I'm automatically going to get it. They are going to determine whether or not um, you're eligible based on your handicaps and really how employable you are. I know a lot of people who've actually been denied, but I know a lot of people who've been approved. You know, and what I would encourage people, um, you know, and I know people who have four-year degrees or they're, they're working on a master's degree and all sorts of stuff. But mm -hmm. it, I think it's important for the veteran to be able to, or the transitioning service owner to be able to say, um, I think I may be entitled to this because here are my handicaps, here are my barriers. I need something that's less physically or even, even let's say mentally, you know, demanding. You may have you know, you may suffer from like maybe depression or anxiety and you need something that's less um, at, at a slower pace, mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. So I always tell people one of the mistakes I also see is people automatically assume they're not eligible. Yeah. I, I say, you know, give it a shot, you know, and then, you know, the count, you may be surprised. The council may say, yeah, you know what? Uh, we understand what's going on. You've been approved. They may say, yeah, yeah, you know what? Um, you're not approved. Yeah. And that doesn't come with the same kind of like 36 month, like that's funded for if it takes you four years to complete your program or if you have two years left, it's funded at 100%, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, it is, VR&E is very, man, there are so many different, I've seen people get law degrees, doctorates. I've seen people get forwarded degrees. I've seen people use it for two years. I've seen people use it for over four. It is, and I've read a lot of different guidance on it. And, you know, I'm like, maybe I need a law degree to understand. It. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and I always try not to, you know, when I was, whenever I speak to somebody, that's why even on LinkedIn, I always try, try, I always try to provide the resource. Because yep. one, I could read something and totally, I've read stuff before and totally misinterpreted it. And then someone says, that's not what that says. And I read it again, I'm like, Holy smokes, there is a comma there. So that's what this means. That that comma always catches you, right? Yeah. Or maybe I missed a word or a sentence, but I always tell everybody, read all the guidance. Um, there's a really good Facebook page. I think it's like the it's a VNRP. There's a couple of them. Um, there are some of the admin know the know the deals, but always read the guidance and then ask for clarifying, you know, examples. Like, you know, what is what is a ten percent disability with a serious employment handicap is that is that objective is there a list or is that subjective and you decide yeah i you share lists all the time of ways that people can you know improve their score or their rating i mean the resources that you share i love that you you drop you know resources in your linkedin posts because it just allows people to kind of do some of that digging, but then they can reach back out to you or to, you know, any other transition counselor to be able to get the additional context that they might be missing. But 
they don't know what information or what resources are available to them, you know, if they don't listen to podcasts like ours or to reach out to other service members who have gone through the process. We have ambassadors who are utilizing VRNE on some of their campuses and they're always offering up, you know, send me students that are utilizing VRNE or have questions about it so I can share with them about my experience and having someone to go to to ask questions is just uh, doesn't feel like you're walking, you know, an, an uncharted path alone, which I truly I mean, that's what kind of college admissions, navigating higher ed, navigating, you know, the transition from the military can feel like a lot um, of the time. So, yeah, there's like you said, there's there are too many resources and I get it. Some people are introverts, but there are t- there are too many resources and far too many people who are willing to, you know, answer an email, a DM, a phone call and say, here's your answer. Here's your source. Or even they may say, you know what? I don't know. This person has a better grasp on higher education benefits or VA home loans or skill bridge or whatever it is. Um, that's why I think I post as much on LinkedIn because it's a powerful tool to, to share information. Absolutely. And the people that chime in in the comments too, you know, like I'm consistently learning from the comments on your posts as well. Yeah, I go through the comments and sometimes somebody says something I'm like, oh, wow, that's, I'm like, that's good information. Thanks. You know, because I do my, my, my posts are in most cases very brief with information. And then some people put added stuff, Bruce Thompson, Bruce Thompson, some other people, Alfredo Torres. And I'm like, oh, that's good add on. Thanks. Um, because it, it's a, it's a group that's working collectively. Absolutely. Um, So as we wrap up our conversation, we could talk about this for hours on end, I'm sure. Um, And I know, like I said, our listeners, they love figuring out how to, you know, navigate this process um, when it comes to utilizing their education benefits. So what is some lasting advice that you would like to give to anyone either thinking about getting out and going back to college or those who are currently, you know, enrolled on a college campus? I would, okay, yeah, that's good. So if you are um, on a college campus, you know, I think the veteran groups, the veteran support groups are extremely important. One, that network, the, the, the social network will keep you uplifted. But kind of like you said earlier, you know, there's a lot of shared information because there's always that one person who knows it all. And I'm, they're not a know-it-all, but they definitely know it all, right? <laughs> so when you're engaging with them, they may say, hey, you know, VR, VRNA just updated or this just happened. You may be able to get some of your post on 11 GI Bill back or whatever the case may be. So staying in the know, right? And then just, you know, I would say getting in the habit of saying, hey, you know, can you can you give me a resource? Utilize. There are some pretty good Facebook pages. LinkedIn is a good um, social media site. Podcasts are great, you know, when you're walking across the campus or driving to and from home or work. Um like this one in particular, a lot of good information to say, oh, wow, I did not know that. Let me look a little bit deeper when I get home and, and, and Google this. I hate to say it. I, I hate to say use Google because I sound like I'm 12, but it's it's it's, it's a powerful tool when you. As long as you didn't say ask Jeeves. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just your support group. And then, you know, there, there's so much out there um, to be successful. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Tyrone, for joining us on the Service School Stories podcast this week. I know you are a busy individual helping a lot of people, so we appreciate your time, your knowledge, and just the the good work that you're doing in this space um, to educate and inform. Um, So I will definitely continue following along on your LinkedIn posts, so appreciate those. But we love the work that you're doing, and thanks for being a supporter of Service to School here. Yep, thanks for having me, and thanks for what you and Amanda are doing. Absolutely. Take care. All right. That's it for this episode. Join us next week, same time, same place, where we share more service to school stories. Service to School Stories is hosted by Sydney Mathis, the Director of Student Success, and produced by Amanda DeBias, the Director of Communication at Service to School. Service to School is a 501c3 nonprofit providing free college admission support to transitioning service members and veterans. Join us next time and follow us for more on all of your favorite social media platforms.